Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Friday, May 12th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Happy Friday to us all. A lot of MMA, a lot of combat coming our way over the next couple of days. Bellator 296 in Paris kicking off in a couple of hours. UFC Charlotte is tomorrow, but the... Official weigh-ins going on right now until the top of the hour. We already lost one fight. We lost for the second time in three weeks, I believe. Natan Levy versus Pete Rodriguez. Pete Rodriguez scratched once again weight management issues. I actually spoke to a couple people. Uh, I was talking to Eric Nixick, who tweeted out about this. Um Plan was 155. They kind of had a feeling that missing weight was a not only a possibility, but a probability. Eric, to his credit, told me that as they were preparing, they were preparing for a short-notice opponent as well. They didn't know who it would be, but they were preparing for literally anything that could happen with Pete Rodriguez. And apparently last night, or earlier yesterday, they agreed to a catch weight, a couple of different catch weights. Um, even 160 is what they were looking at. And I was told there were even discussions about possibly doing it at 162. But before that request could be discussed, the doctors had pulled Pete Rodriguez from the fight. So that fight is no longer happening. Got a feel for Natan Levy. Dude just trying to get in there and fight, and, well, it's not his fault. So hopefully they can rebook him soon against a different opponent, and 
he can get some money in his bank account because this sucks. Absolutely sucks for him. I feel for the man and just an unfortunate situation. That is for sure. Let's check out what's going on. Of course, a the great AK is on the weigh-in duties here. Uh, the main event is official. Rosenstrike hit the scale at 265. Jelton Almeida just weighed in a few moments ago at 231. Co-main event is official. Both Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker weighed in at 205 and a half. Uh, still waiting on Daniel Rodriguez and Ian Machado. Gary, Carlos Alberg, Ihor Poteria, both weighed in at 204 and a half. Tim Means, 170 and a half. Alex Morona, 169 and a half. Matt Brown, Court McGee, good to go. Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva de Andrade, good to go. It's at a catch weight of 140 pounds. Gian Kim, Mandy Boehm, ready to go. And Jessica Rose Clark, Tainara Lisboa, ready to go. So if there's anything crazy happens, uh, I'll let you know about it. But let's get after this thing. And we will begin with Tristan Gordet. By the way, this is a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk MMA or we can talk whatever the hell you want. What's up, Tristan? Hey, Mike. Um... I just uh, wanted to talk about your interview with uh, Kobe Covington the other day. And um, do you think my, – my question is, um, if he goes and beats Leon Edwards and becomes uh, the new welterweight champion, I, do you think, too, like, um, as far as Bilal, Shafkat, and possibly the rest of the division, like, those guys are going to be um, waiting for a long time for a title shot? Because I, I feel that – um, with Kobe, he's going to be able to pick and choose who he fights, and I think the UFC is going to go along with it because, uh, like it's like like the saying goes, not everybody gets treated the same. And I think with Covington being the champion, he's going to be able to do more and be able to dictate who he fights and who he doesn't fight. Where with Leon, he doesn't really get that choice. Like the UFC tells him, like, yo, you got to fight this guy or that guy because again. Echoing what Kobe had said, man, this is a fight business. This is prize fighting. You know, um, you gotta you gotta pick the biggest and best fights that's gonna sell. So, um, just your thoughts on 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 that. If uh, Kobe comes to becomes champion and beats Leon, thanks, Mike. It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, as you know, Kobe likes to just say things sometimes, but. I don't know, man. I again, this is this is my issue with booking that Burns Muhammad fight to begin with on this card. It made literally no sense to put it on there. Did nothing for ticket sales. It did Zippo for pay per view buys. In fact, the freaking champion of the world who headlined the card came out and said it only did like two hundred fifty thousand buys. So what are we doing? That fight did nothing for the bottom line. Nothing. Cool fight, but who like you were better off booking the Paulo Costa Yambohovich fight because now there's so much time between Bilal's big win until he could possibly get a title shot if he even gets one. Colby told me he wants August. I think they're like I have no insight to this, but I would not be stunned if that's the main event of that card. It wouldn't shock me. Like, what else is going to be there? I know they want Sean O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling. I don't know if Aljo's going to turn around that quickly. 
It'd be cool, but I don't know if Alger's going to turn around that quickly. I don't think the UFC... He just fought. The dude just fought. A week ago. Less than a week ago. And to have him turn around in three months, you better give him a big bag of money. So if he's just like, nah, I want to wait a month or two, you can't really blame him for that. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, what about Jamal Hilly versus Yuri Perhashka? I was listening to uh, Ariel Hawani's show with Chuck Mindenhall and, and Pete C. Carr a little bit yesterday. And Ariel said that they, he spoke with Yuri's team and they said, there's no way he's going to be able to come back in August. So that fights off the table. So what else are you going to put there? I think Colby Leon is a, is a great main event for that area. I think it's fine. You can't Abu Dhabi makes no sense. I do agree with Colby on that. Uh, doing Leon versus Colby in Abu Dhabi makes absolutely no sense. When you have Islam Makachev, getting ready to defend his lightweight title against somebody else who will be over like Rover in Abu Dhabi. Now, let's say Colby, they offer a date and Colby gets hurt or something like that. Then you could do Leon in Abu Dhabi and just throw him in there with Bilal Muhammad. That's a big deal. But to your question, Tristan, if, if Colby wins the belt, man, I mean, I think Bilal's kind of in trouble anyways. I don't know if he's going to have to fight again. But I'm just not sure that Bilal will get the next shot. I just think there's so much time and so much can happen. And if they let's just say they book like Shafkat Rahmana versus Kamara Usman. If Shafkat just trucks Kamara Usman, he's jumping ahead of Bilal. There's just no doubt about it. That's going to happen. But the big factor is Conor McGregor. If Conor McGregor beats Michael Chandler, if that fight happens at any point this year and Conor wins, they, the UFC is going to book Conor, Conor McGregor versus whoever wins that fight, whether it's Leon Edwards. If it's Colby, you bet your ass they're going to book that fight. So I wouldn't be so sure if you're a Bilal Muhammad or a Bilal Muhammad fan that he is just next in line, guaranteed to fight for the belts. A lot can happen between now and whenever that welterweight title fight happens. And I've said this on the show many times. You can feel however you want to feel about Colby Covington. I get it. But if there's one thing Colby is good at, he is a terrific prize fighter. He picks his spots. He fights for fights the biggest names with the lowest risk, in my personal opinion. And he times them perfectly. And now he's got himself a title shot. Whether you think he deserves it or not, he's going to get it. And if you're Bilal Muhammad, I think... Your best hope is that Leon Edwards beats Colby Covington. And even then, I don't even think that guarantees him a title shot, especially if Connor is in play. Now, if Connor's not going to fight this year, I think Bilal's all right. But if Connor fights this year, he better hope Michael Chandler beats that ass because otherwise he is in big trouble. And it sucks to say that because Bilal Muhammad deserves a title shot. He deserved it before the, the Gilbert Burns fight. But the fact that that fight happened last weekend made absolutely no sense. It was one of the dumbest pieces of business I've ever seen in my life. That fight did nothing for that card in terms of business. It did nothing. It did nothing. And now Gilbert Burns is injured. We don't know when he's coming back. He's going to be out for months before he can train again. And Bilal's just going to have to sit and wait. You could have put this fight anywhere else. You could have put it at 289. You could have done it on the International Fight Week card. You, there's a second pay-per-view being discussed for July. You could put it on that. You could have put it as the co-main event for whenever Colby fights 
Leon, but we had to do it now. Why? Why did we have to do this fight now? It drove me insane. Well, you could have just done Paulo Costa versus Jan Bohovich, which, by the way, probably would have generated some pay-per-view buys. Not a ton, but it would have probably put him over the 300,000 mark because Paulo Costa is great at promoting fights and making the attention go to him. He's great at that. And Jan Bohovich is an interesting cat. And guess what? That fight does nothing, nothing for holding up any of those divisions. Nothing. Paulo beats Jan Bohovich. Who gives a shit? If Jan wins, cool. Paulo goes back to 185. It does nothing. And it would have done more. I just don't get it. I, I never. I do not understand why they put that fight on this card. Blog gets a great win. Good for him. He deserves a title shot. But, I mean, at best, it's like 60-40 he gets that shot. And those are not odds that I would be overly thrilled with if I'm Bilal Muhammad. Uh, Catalano, hello. Catalano, you're muted. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike. Uh, oh, good. We got you. All right. Uh, long time, first time uh, from Italy. Greeting from, uh, greetings from uh, sunny Italy. Uh, sorry if uh, this question has been asked already, but uh, let's just think about uh, middleweight champion, uh, Israel Adesanya, yeah? Um, uh, we know that uh, Sean Strickland is uh, busy with, I don't know, Abu uh, Magomedov, uh, which is a weird main event. And uh, we know that Drikas Duplessis is getting the uh, Max Holloway special <laughs> with uh, Robert Whitaker. He's probably going to lose that fight. And uh, yeah, that leaves Israel with nothing at the moment. Apparently, He's been blowing up Dana's phone, uh, and Dana, you know, being the great promoter that he is, um, yeah, basically left him with no contenders. So my question is, what does he do now? Uh, uh, are they gonna give him Hamzat? You know, he's he's been tweeting Hamzat is um, about going to 170. So I don't know. Uh, and then Jamal apparently is gonna fight Iri Prohaska. So is that time for the trilogy? with uh, Pereira, which I personally kind of don't mind because, you know, uh, I don't know. I want to see something else. Uh, but, you know, let me know what you think. Thank you so much, Mike. Bye. Thanks, man. Uh, so the Jamal-Yuri fight, I mean, if it happens, it is not happening in August. I know that's what Jamal wants, but as, as we said earlier, um, I take Ariel's word, word as gospel. When it comes to this stuff, but he said they reached out to Yuri's team. They said there's no way he's going to be ready for August. So maybe they, maybe they go a different direction. Uh, Dana has said since they booked the Drinkus Duplessis Robert Whitaker fight that the winner of that fight, no matter who it is, is going to fight Adesanya later on this year. There's talks about doing an event in Sydney in September or October. So the winner of that fight is going to go fight Israel Adesanya on that card. Um, that's what's Dane has been saying. So Izzy's going to have to wait. I know there's a lot of people who are like huffing and puffing that they might see the Whitaker fight. Personally, for me, I want to see it again. I want to see it again. I understand that Izzy has two wins, but I kind of want to see it again. I want to see if Whitaker can actually get it done. And if he beats Strickis, like what else does the man have to do? Like Robert's going to do something. So 
But if, you know, maybe Izzy just wants to be busy and maybe he'll fight Pereira again. But I, I've said this since after UFC 287 because Dana White immediately was like, nope, Pereira's going to – don't be surprised if he goes to 205. And then a few days later, Pereira said he's moving to 205. And I wondered why – this was such a quick trigger move for him to just jump up to 205 when you could do the trilogy fight and it's still going to be big. Like, I feel like we don't have closure on this rivalry right now. We have an emphatic finish from Israel Adesanya. We got it. We got a finish from Pereira. We got finished in the kickboxing world before that. So I questioned why. And to me, the reasoning behind this is that they don't have a lot of faith, the UFC, that Yuri Prohashka is going to be able to fight anytime soon. That that shoulder injury is as bad as Dana said it was and that Yuri was way too optimistic about his timeline. What's the interesting fight for Jamal Hill right now that fans would want to watch? Is it Magomed Ankalaev? No, it isn't. Is it Jan Blachowicz? No, it isn't. What about Alex Pereira? I think people would watch that fight. I think people would go bananas for that fight. And I would watch the living crap out of that one. That's just going to be absolute mayhem. So to me, I think Jamal would probably fight Alex Pereira. You got a storyline there with Jamal beating Glover Teixeira. You could just show the look Alex Pereira was giving Jamal Hill after that fight. It's an exciting striker versus striker matchup. Someone's going to sleep in that one. And that's fun as hell. And I know Ankalaev is probably going to be pissed, and it is what it is. Dana hated that fight so much that I just don't see a world where Ankalaev gets the title fight. So uh, Whitaker, Duplessis, Whitaker will fight Izzy later in the year, and I kind of think the UFC might pivot to Alex Pereira. That's not a bad main event for Boston. Pereira's got ties to the New England area. Don't hate that. And that fight's just incredibly fascinating with two guys who can absolutely – smash it so yeah we'll see but i kind of think prayer is like the plan b if yuri can't go anytime soon but he ain't gonna be ready for august the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist magomed magomedov and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to S. McNeil. Heck of a morning, Mike. I guess I just got uh, two quick questions, Bantamweight related. Uh, The first one is regarding uh, Triple C. Uh, He talks a lot about how his goal is to kind of go up and fight Volkanovski. So I'm curious what you think the chances are of him just going right up to 45. I think a good fight, I don't know if he'd win, but an interesting fight would be him versus Holloway. And if he beats Holloway, I think he could get a title shot. And the second question is, if Marab loses his next fight, do you think Aljamain would stay at 135 and defend his belt a couple more times? Or do you think him going up to 145 is just destined? And uh, yeah, other than that, have a heck of a morning. And uh, Sixers and seven. First of all, how dare you? I mean, you if you're a Sixers fan, you got to be scared to death after last night. Jason Tatum didn't play basketball at all until the fourth quarter. And you had the chance to just put your foot on their throat and you couldn't do it. And then Tatum went off in the fourth. You guys are screwed, I think. <laughs> like, I think you guys are screwed. That is, like, not what you wanted to see. I predict the Celtics are just going to blow the doors off the Sixers. They played like shits last night. The Celtics were awful, awful last night and still found a way to win decisively on the road because they blew the doors off them in the fourth quarter. I feel very good about game seven. I feel better about game seven than I did yesterday. And I felt like the Celtics were just going to run the Sixers out of the building. And they played horrendously for 36 minutes last night and still found a way to win. So I was very excited about that. As far as Cejudo goes, I think he's doing it right. I think this is the right thing to do. I think Marab is the right fight. I think he actually matches up pretty decently stylistically with Marab. I know Marab is an absolute madman with, with the takedowns and even the failed takedowns, which is sort of part of what he does and part of his success strategy. But I think Cejudo actually matches up pretty well with Marab. So, and they're pretty identical in size. Like, I think that's an interesting matchup. If he goes up to 45 and fights Max Holloway, I think Max Holloway beats the brakes off of Henry Cejudo. I don't think that fight is competitive at all. And the big issue he had with Aljamain Sterling is that he couldn't deal with the range. And if he couldn't deal with the range of Aljamain Sterling, there ain't no way he's dealing with the range of Max Holloway. He is just going to get battered in that fight. So I think Cejudo is smart. This is the right way to go. And here's the thing as well. We talked about this on BTL yesterday. I don't think it's about Volkanovski. It's about just getting to that 45-pound title. So you can, if you're Cejudo, just go in there and get a couple of wins. If you go in there and you beat Marab and Aljamain Sterling beat Sean O'Malley, which I think he will, and this kind of answers both of your questions, I do think Aljamain Sterling is going to go to 45. I do. There's just nothing else for him. What else is he going to do? The biggest fight for him right now at 135 is Sean O'Malley, and he's about to get that fight. He's beaten pretty much everybody else at this point. He already washed Corey Sanhagen. I would like to see that fight again, but in Aljo's mind, like, how do you do it any better than you did it? 
He's already beaten like this. His resume, his streak is incredible. The names on this resume, it's ridiculous. There's just literally, there's really nobody else for him to fight. Unless he wants to wait for like Umar Namagamadov to get a couple more wins, there's not much left for him. So go accomplish something else. He's getting older. That weight cut ain't getting easier. I do think either way, he can go up to 145. And even if Marab loses to Cejudo, it's not like he's out of the title picture forever. Because Marab still matches up really well with a lot of those other guys. So I like the call out. Uh, I think it's the right fight. The way to go. And if Cejudo wins, he'll fight somebody else for the vacant belt. Maybe they do him and Corey Sanhagen for the vacant title. And that's a fine-ass fight, too. So, but I, God, do I not like Cejudo's chances against Max Holloway. I think this is the right move. And then if you win a couple fights, you win the vacant title, defend it a couple times. If you still want to go, go up to 45. Whether it's Volk or whoever's the champion at the time. It doesn't have to be Volk. I'm sure... The competitor in Cejudo would like it to be Volk, but I kind of feel like the fight, I kind of feel like the idea of him fighting Volkanovsky is no more. I think that fight's kind of off the table at this point. But it doesn't mean he still can't go after that third belt. And who knows? We mentioned earlier, like if Connor washes Michael Chandler and they give Connor a title shot and he wins the belt, he wins the third title before Cejudo, like what's the point of him going up there and being the first to do it? Because somebody's already done it. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it could. Four quarter sports. Hey, heck, good morning, Mike. Um, so, you know, I heard you mention earlier about them putting on a second pay per view. Uh, for what month exactly? Because I heard rumors of July 29th. And if it's for July 29th, um, do you have like any ideas on like what cities they like narrowing down to? Like, I guess like a, a list as for like what may host you know, a potential pay-per-view in, in July outside of uh, International Fight Week. Um, I heard, I saw what was it on Twitter that uh, Hamza ended up putting a check mark next to Usman saying, I guess, uh, signifying that I guess that he's going to fight him next. And it looks like it might be for Abu Dhabi. If Hamza was to win, what would be like, the, what would make the most sense? Would it be for him to fight at 185 if he, you know, for the title or 170? Just because it just feels that he may not fight at 170, although he's begging and pleading and saying that he's going to fight at 170. But, I mean, what's it called? If Israel Adesanya doesn't really have much opponents left to fight, you know, I know that Dana said Robert Whitaker and uh, Drake Duplessis will be the the next uh, fighter to fight Israel Adesanya, the winner of that. But wouldn't it make more sense to have Hamza just give the division like a little bit more, you know, fresh blood. Now that um, Alex went up to 205 um, and he's going to be in, in that division. And then lastly, um, I know Jamal Hill hasn't fought since January. I don't see them. I don't see him fighting Yuri Prohashka. I have a feeling that Yuri Prohashka may not return up until December. I just think a year and a half might be too long, but I think coming in within like the eight, 10 month mark might be cutting it a little bit too close. Do you think that uh, Jamal Hill just fights, you know, Alex, uh, give or take September, you know, in T-Mobile? I, I don't know, maybe that headline, that type of a card. But, I mean, Boston would be, actually be pretty good. But I just think that, my personal opinion, if they do Boston in August, I think the perfect fight to main event would be Leon and Colby. Just because you can't hold on that, that division too much longer. 
the the welterweight division got defended once last year, and I believe like once um, the year prior. So I think it'll be pretty nice to see the welterweight division get defended multiple times throughout a one year calendar. All right, thanks, Mike. I agree. Like if I if I had to choose, it's Col- it's Leon Colby. That's that's the one I would do. Now if Leon, because Leon said like September October. You know, could they persuade him to move up, move it up a little bit? Sure. Um, but I feel like that, that, that's the main event. Like, that's what I would choose. Because uh, I don't think, I honestly don't think Sterling, I think we have a better shot of getting that fight than Sterling O'Malley on that card. I just don't know if Alex is going to want to turn around that quickly after making that weight cut and having that tough fight. I just don't see it. Um, but who knows? Maybe the UFC just offers some bunch more money and that's the one they want. Look, it's no secret. Dana White is from the area, and he always wants to go back to Boston. And when he does, he wants to put on massive cards. So maybe we'll get two title fights. I don't know. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, I kind of like the gym. I, th- I kind of feel like Alex Pereira is the plan B. Uh, that's why I thought it was such a weird move that it's just like, why are we just all of a sudden shoving Pereira to 205? when you have a massive trilogy fight on your hands and then Pereira just makes a decision on his own three days later, something tells me like, Hey, listen, I don't know if Yuri's going to be ready to come back. Be ready. Be ready. Cause there's a story there. That fight's fascinating. Let's go. Hamzan on social media. We can't believe anything he says. I mean, let's just be clear. We can't believe anything he says. Um, He's just tweeting up a storm. We don't know what's real and what isn't. If he fights Usman, it ain't going to be at 170. The UFC ain't going to take that risk. And it ain't going to be a catch weight. Dana White's already said it. If Usman wants to go to 185, we'll entertain that idea. But the fight to make is, is Hamzad versus Paulo Costa on that card. It, that's the fight to make. And then Hamzad can go on and fight for the belt after that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. As far as July 29th goes, that's a date that seems to be kind of circled in as the second pay-per-view conversations I've had. And I don't want to, don't be going reporting this shit or anything like that. Uh, I'm told that I don't even know if front runner is, is the, the way to go, but uh, strongly considered is a return to Salt Lake city for that card. That's what I'm here. That's, that's the word on the street, potentially salt, going back to Salt Lake city. I don't know if Leon would be all that excited to go back to Salt Lake City, especially when he's fighting friggin' Colby Covington uh, and having to deal with elevation and and all that could be kind of tough. So I guess Leon would kind of have to pick his poison there, really, if we're being honest. But that's that's the rumbling right now. Possibly Salt Lake City. Uh, The coolest. Are you there? Hey, what's going on? What's up, man? Not much. Uh, this free for our Friday, right? Yes, sir. Friday, I'm just joining, so I don't know if anybody talked about it or not. But that press conference the other day with you know Jake Paul and and uh, Nate Diaz, when that reporter had called out Nate and his brother, uh, you know the reporter began a lot of black uh, backlash, right? from the meeting and stuff, but did anybody have considered that he was paid to ask that question? Like, 
they showed him on the camera, and he's skinnier than what. But he weighed, like, he weighed about, like, what, 130, 140. And he talking about he wanted to fight, box them. Like, come on. Like, and then the fact that he works for Jake Paul, put together, people. But he was paid to do that. He was paid to ask him that question. So I just want to get your thoughts on it. You think he was, did you, do you think he, got paid to ask him that question or do you think he just did that randomly? I'll let you go. Have a nice day, y'all. Mm, I don't know if he was like paid. I don't know. If, it didn't seem like Jake was uh, all that thrilled with the the questioning. It seemed like Jake was kind of like just like annoyed by it. And I, this is like it's kind of his gimmick, and it's stupid. It's dumb. It really is dumb, and I don't know. I I just think he was trying to create a viral moment that absolutely fell flat on its face. And then he came on, did the apology after, and that was probably even worse. But dude's an idiot. Knows he's an idiot. That's his gimmick, and. I mean, if that's what you want your gimmick to be, then have at it. But dude's a moron. Dude's an absolute moron. And I hate that shit. Like, who cares? Like, that fell flat on its face. People were talking about it, but it was not because, like, oh, did you see that guy? Like, do you remember when, um, like, th- that was not, like, the schmo moment. Remember when the schmo sort of, captured the imaginations of everybody when he was at a press conference and he asked Dana that final question and Dana like was like what the fuck was that uh, that landed that landed and that was a pivotal point of that guy's of the Schmo's career because I've talked to him about this and he said like had he not gotten the microphone that day like none of this that he's doing now would have ever come to fruition this was the complete opposite of that I mean the complete opposite of that but I'm sure, like, once they get back to Dallas, he's going to try to do something else really dumb. And, ugh, I, was, I don't give a shit. What an idiot. No room, no room in my brain for that kind of bullshit. Uh, I'll try to get JD in, but wheel is spinning. All right, we will move on. Uh, I'm going to try to get to everybody here. Uh, let's go to Ari. Hey, Mike. Yeah, I got you, Ari. I got you. Hey, Mike. Uh, apologies to the story already discussed, but can you explain what the UFC's rationale is for having no plans to host 290 in Mexico when you're featuring two Mexican-born fighters? Dana, he already botched UFC Africa when you had Naganu, Usman, and Izzy. I'm just imagining how bonkers this card would be if it was in Mexico, and even in a dream world if you had Alexa Grasso and Valentina on there. I'm just confused, because you mentioned they want to go back to Salt Lake City, but they have no plans to go to Mexico. I just wasn't sure if I'm missing something here. Well... I mean, they're not going to do 290 in Mexico because that's International Fight Week. So they're not going to they're not going to leave Vegas. They do a whole thing and that. Um, 
The Africa thing, I think, is going to happen. It's just a matter of finding the right location and trying to make it work. Mexico, like Salt Lake, here's the thing with Salt Lake City. It's not like the UFC has a map of the world in their war room. They're like, hmm, what cities do we want to visit? Oh, you know what would be cool? Let's go to Salt Lake City. No, that's not how it works. What Salt Lake City does, they say, hey, we're going to give you a whole bunch of money if you come here and host a card. It's just like WrestleMania. Like the WWE doesn't pick just rando cities to host WrestleMania. They all like bid for WrestleMania. And then the highest bidder gets it. Uh, It's not quite the same here, but there are certain cities that offer the UFC a whole bunch of money to host cards there. That's why for a couple of years they went to Houston a bunch. You know what I mean? And there are certain other cities that do the same thing. Salt Lake City is one of them. So Salt Lake City is paying them money to go host a card there. And then the arena and the city is hopeful that people will travel, people will spend money in their area, their economy will be boosted the week that they're there. That's why they have all these different events. And then hopefully the arena gets a good chunk of change with ticket sales. Which brings me to Mexico. I, it's tough to go there right now. It's just really tough. Like, I don't know if, if you've tried to buy tickets to a UFC event, it's expensive, man. It is really tough to go to a UFC card right now. It's not like five years ago. Like you go to Charlotte right now, I was looking at, you go buy a ticket in Charlotte for the Charlotte card uh, for like 75 bucks. Uh, most cards are not like that. Most cards I think GC was telling me that the Newark card, like the cheapest ticket you could buy for Newark was like 200 bucks. That's expensive. That's expensive. I just don't know if the, I just don't know if the people there are going to pay that kind of money. I think they learned their lesson a little bit when they did the card in Brazil and they went to, to Rio and that building was like half empty because the ticket prices were too expensive. So if you're going to host an event in Mexico and you're going to put all these champions on there, you want to do it in a way where the hardcore MMA fans can go and watch these people fight so they can cheer for them. But if you're charging 300, 400 bucks a ticket to go to Mexico to go have a fight for people to go, they ain't going to fill that arena. The UFC knows that. So it's just a matter of like, how can they make it work so that, the UFC can put on a major event and that people can actually go because the price is just really expensive. Like that seems to be the reason why. And Dana's admitted, like we screwed this up. We should have been in Mexico. I believe I would guess that the UFC going to Mexico is going to be a top priority in 2024. They're going to try to figure it out. I would be stunned if they go there this year. They have held events there before. But it's a different world now. It's a different ball game. UFC's on fire right now. And I just don't know if I just don't know if they could do it in a way where they can fill an arena with what they charge for their product right now. And you could say that about a lot of other cities too. You could say that about a lot of other places. But I, I would say Mexico at some point. I would say Mexico's gonna be a priority for them. Um but I, I would be stunned if they go there this year. It's just a lot. And I think they're going to try to figure out how to, how to pull it off logistically. But yeah. And, you know, credit to Dana. 
saying that, look, we dropped the ball on this. We should have done a better job trying to get back there. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. It's just there's just a lot of factors involved. JD, are you there? Oh, and I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, got sure. What's up? All right, I got one question for you. Uh, what do you think the MMA community wants more for Jailson Almeida to win or for Ihor Poteria, the duelist, to lose? Thanks, man. Bye. Uh, probably Jailson to win. I don't know. That's a great question. That's a great question. People are so mad at Ihor, and I get it. But that fight shouldn't have been made in the first place, in hindsight. Should have chucked Shogun in there with uh, with somebody else. I don't know. But I'm sure the crowd will not be uh, saddened if the duelist gets finished by Carlos Ulberg, which Carlos Ulberg is heavily favored to uh, to do just that. Uh, let's go to Daniel. Daniel? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Perfect. Uh, well, top of the morning to you. Happy Friday. Um, let's definitely not talk any more basketball because I uh, live in Arizona. So, um, yeah, we could just leave the basketball talk alone. Um, but just wanted to talk to you here about this Ian Gary and D-Rod fight. Um Personally, I mean, Ian Gary looked a little subpar against Williams, uh, you know, but he obviously wins that fight. You know, he's minus 700 against Kanan Song and nearly gets KO'd in the first round. Uh, but now he's going up against D-Rod, who is definitely the most experienced, skilled fighter he has faced. And it just seems like everyone's kind of thinking history's already written here, and he just kind of walks through D-Rod. I mean, he, even on the betting line, he's like a minus 300, a really decent favorite. So... Just curious how you think this goes. I mean, do you think this fight hits the ground at any point? Uh, I mean, do, do you think there's a finish here? Just just curious if you think people are maybe overlooking D-Rod or uh, if you think the hype's real here for Gary. Thanks, Mike. That's a great question, and I don't really know how to answer that. And that's what makes this matchmaking so good. Like, I think this is the perfect piece of matchmaking right here. This is the step up. Let's give Ian a step up. I, the Kanan Song fight, I was not a fan of, even though Kanan had a moment and almost stopped Ian. I just felt like it was almost like a step back from his previous fight. But this is the one. This is the one. Let's, let's throw him in there. If he loses a D Rod, it's not the end of the world. I'm sure Ian will be pissed and he'll suck. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a roadblock. That's for sure. But he's still super young. He's got a bright future ahead of him. This dude, in my opinion, I think with his his skill set, his ability to speak on the microphone, just the kind of guy he is, I think he's – I mean, he is what the nickname is. He's the future. D-Rod's really good. D-Rod's really good. So this is going to be a great test. Two strikers getting after it. D-Rod throws a ton of volume. He can wrestle a little bit too. And he's pretty sneaky off, off on the ground as well. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I think the betting value is, is fully on Daniel Rodriguez. But again, maybe Ian Gary just shows up and just puts on the performance of a lifetime. I don't know. But that's why I love this matchmaking so much. Is Ian ready for the top 15? If he beats D-Rod, he is, in my opinion. 
And if he loses the D-Rod, like, it doesn't kill him. It doesn't kill him. There's going to be a certain portion of the fan base is be like, oh, dude, all he does is talk shit and all that, whatever. There's going to be that. And I think Ian's sort of ready for that. But I think it's a good fight. I think he's handled himself very well all week. I think he's been hilarious on social media. It's good stuff. I love that. I, I, honestly, this to me is the most fascinating fight on the card. Even more so than the main event. And the co-main event. The co-main event is, is fascinating in its own way, but this is, this is the fight I have the most questions about. 100%. So I'm looking forward to it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, your mom's MMA. Are you there? You just got to unmute yourself, and I think we got you. Yo, yo, yo. Can you hear me? Yep. What's up, right, man? Cool. Now, I'm just curious if you've heard if the UFC is returning to SoCal this year. Uh, I haven't heard anything, but that doesn't mean that they won't. Usually they go <laughs> – Like, I would rather see Brandon Moreno, like, Brandon Moreno fighting in, like, Anaheim, that neck of the woods, is, like, the best place. Like, if you can't go to Mexico right now, that's where you need to have these cards. Because Brandon Moreno, look, is a friggin' superstar over there. So, I don't know. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but I haven't heard, I honestly haven't heard anything. But have they, have they been there this year? I don't know. I don't remember them being there this year. There's just so many cards. I can't keep my head straight with all of them. But if they don't go there this year, I'm sure they'll be there next year. What's up, Abdullah? Uh, so, uh, I'll just have two questions I'd ask. My first thing is, uh, who do you have winning the uh, the main event this weekend for UFC? And just regarding the NBA, what is at stake for LeBron and Jimmy Butler tomorrow? Because we know that both still have a 3-2 lead against both their teams. Will, if LeBron were to possibly go a 3-1 lead against the Warriors, would this really affect his legacy in some way? Because we know Twitter's going to talk, they're going to talk shit, and all the memes will come, but will it really have a distinct impact on his career? Because as far as I can remember, Michael Jordan never blew a 3-1 lead. And, you know, like, that that would definitely put a stay in my opinion. What what were you, your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, honestly, the fact that like I know the Lakers are kind of like the Yankees in the NBA. They just go out and get all these talents, and like they don't mesh together for some reason. It'd be pretty bad. Like it would be pretty bad. 
short term. I don't think it like kills his legacy overall. Uh, and it's always tough to, to do the MJ versus LeBron debate. Uh, I actually compare LeBron more uh, to Magic Johnson than Michael Jordan. I just think his style of play is more magic, but just way more athletic. The way his vision, the way he can run the, run the court, the way he can pass, his vision, the D, everything, everything. Um, I think Jordan was always the better competitor, but in, in, in the leagues were just two different times. It's just two different times. Like I'm an old dude. I'm 40. So to me, like playing in the eighties and nineties, that's like man ball. Like you had to earn every point. There weren't ticky tack fouls. You couldn't dive. Like you played the Celtics or the Pistons in the eighties and nineties. You went to the basket you got clotheslined underneath the basket. And it wasn't a huge deal. It's just like, yeah, it's part of the game. Uh, you had to earn every point. The style of the NBA is not the same as it was in the 80s and 90s. So it's, kind of, it's, it's, just, it's just so hard to compare the two. But, yeah, will it, short-term will it affect his legacy? Sure. Uh, but I think anybody who really watches the game realizes that you can't put all the onus and blame on LeBron. Like Anthony Davis has had some shitty games in this series. So you can't you can't just blame him altogether, and I think most people who watch the game can understand that. Um, but I would love to see the Warriors. I, I, it's I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of either team, but I kind of enjoy when LeBron loses because when he was with Cleveland, nothing made me happier than when the Celtics whooped that ass. But it was great. It was great. As far as the main event, I'm picking Jelton Almeida. I think he finishes Jarzy and your Rosen strike late first, early second. I don't know if he submits him, but I think he gets on top and and puts him away pretty quickly. We'll know how that fight's going to go probably within the first 90 seconds. CV, hello. Yo, Mike. Happy Friday. Uh, I'm going to continue to NBA talk, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, sure. shout out to Jason Tatum for waking up in the fourth quarter. Um, I do agree with you. Um, I think the Celtics will blow out the Sixers on Sunday because that was the Sixers' best chance of closing out the series at home, which I correctly predicted that won't happen because they're the Sixers. And I'm just putting it out there, Mike. Uh, we're getting a Lakers and Celtics finals. Um, yeah, I think that's what we need to see. Um, just two quick, uh, two quick questions for me. Um, the Cole main event. Uh, I'm getting uh, my my vibes are telling me that Johnny Walker is going to win. So um, just like a like a you know a quick preview of Otno. Um, like who do you think he faces if he uh, beats Anthony Smith? And uh, another side note. Um, I was actually uh, like when the UFC announced they're going to Boston in August. I was just looking at like um. Yeah, like I might not, I'm probably not gonna go to the event, but I do want to go to Boston. Like maybe one day, maybe not this year. But um, like I saw the tickets for Red Sox games. I'm like they're they're crazy expensive, man. Like um, especially on top of the Green Monster, they're like. Oh, I lost you, but I know, I know, I know where you're going with this. Uh. Co-main event, like I'm picking Anthony Smith to win, um, but I understand the vibes. Uh, I have vibes about Irene Aldana versus Amanda Nunes right now. I have vibes. 
my gut is telling me something. I see. I don't know why. I don't know why I have these vibes, but I have them. I have them. If Johnny wins, I think the UFC is going to push him like crazy. Uh, and I think they're going to try to use Johnny to do them a favor. And I think that favor is they're going to try to chuck him in there with Magomed and Goliath and hope that Magic can strike twice. And then they can try to get Johnny Walker into a title fight. So it'll be a huge win for him. It'll be a huge win for him. Yeah, Fenway is expensive. It is very expensive. Sitting on top of the green monster is very expensive. When I go to Fenway, I like to sit first baseline up on the roof box. Then you can see the whole field. Lines to the bathroom are very short. Uh, Concession lines are very short. Beer lines very short. Uh, You get the ambiance. You can go out. From there, you can go into the, the 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 right field corner there to the outdoor patio area. Easy access. It's just a it's just very cool. Uh, I haven't been there in a while. It's been a couple of years, but I took like my dad and my son. All three of us went together, and it was great. If you have kids and they're into baseball, you should definitely take them to Fenway because they treat like the staff there. They treat kids incredible. When you go through the turnstiles and like on Yaki Way, I mean, they do like free face painting and they give you gifts. Like it was my kid's first game. They gave him like a gift bag with all this other crap. Like it was awesome. It was awesome. But yeah, you got to save your money. You got to save your pennies. It ain't cheap to go to Fenway, but there is just nothing. I don't care if you're a Yankee fan or whatever fan you are. There is nothing like walking up that aisle way and seeing that field and smelling it and just like getting the feeling the the air there's just nothing like it there's nothing like it i would probably feel that way if i went to wrigley too but it's just you just have to sit there and be like wow this is the shit and it is every single time it's awesome so if you can get there go but ain't gonna be cheap maybe they'll just be awful and then go later in the air and go for way cheaper uh, YVMZ, hello. Hi, Mike. Heck, good morning. Uh, just a quick comment and a question for you. Uh, thanks for making my morning. July 29th uh, is my birthday, and I live in Salt Lake City, so I think that's going to be a hell of a birthday um, if it comes true. Uh, quick question on uh, Anthony Smith's comments um, at, at his uh, media uh, conference or whatever. Uh, he said that... Uh, he wanted to welcome Alex Pereira to 205, but he did say that, uh, you know, a lot of the people at 205, you know, are pretty uh, well-versed in wrestling. So if he doesn't fight Jamal Hill, um, who do you think would be a good matchup for him? Thanks. Have a heck of a morning. Actually, Johnny Walker wouldn't be a bad one either if he beats Anthony Smith. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like Ankalaev or somebody like that. Maybe they do Jan Blachowicz. That's not a bad one. But it'd be somebody that could... Uh... Yeah, maybe Jan. Maybe that's the one. I don't think they do Ankalaev. I don't know. But Johnny Walker would be fun too. But I honestly think Pereira is going to fight Jamal Hill. If Yuri ain't ready to go and they need to get a good main event in there for 
for Boston or any of these other cards, it's not a bad one. All right, we got about seven minutes, so we're going to go rapid fire with everybody in line here. Uh, we have preview show at noon Eastern, so coming up in about an hour and seven minutes for UFC Charlotte, and then we got Bellator coming up very soon. Uh, Lone Wolf, are you there? Hello. Hey. I can't see you, but I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, sure. Okay, thank you, Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm very excited for the card that is happening next month, June, June 10. Uh, uh, probably more more excited about the co-main event uh, because of Charles Oliveira and uh, Benil Dar- uh, Darius, uh, lightweight. But who do you think, my question is, who do you think going to win this spot uh, and uh, going to fight for the title? Who do you think is more likely to win this match? Because both of the fighters are really talented and are uh, no yes they are both very talented and Benil Darish is on win streak of like eight or nine I don't know and you know Charles Oliveira is very strong and very he has a very good fighting IQ but Islam made him easy but he's a threat he's still a very big threat for lightweight division and we all know that so who do you think will win this game who do you think this is my question. Thanks, man. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a it's an interesting fight. I'm leaning Benil Dariush. I just think it's his time, and I just feel like the MMA gods kind of need to do him a solid. If I'm being honest, he should be just be fighting for the belt right now. But now he's going to fight Charles Oliveira. I think stylistically he matches up very well with Charles Oliveira. I think he could do a lot of things that Islam Makachev was able to do. I think he could wrestle Charles Oliveira. And I know Charles has all the submissions and all that, but Charles is, let's not get sucked into that. Charles is is this incredible fighter off of his back thing because it's a little bit overblown. But if this thing stays standing, it's going to be interesting because Charles can friggin' crack. And I know Benil is kind of durable, but we've seen Benil get knocked out too. So it's an interesting fight. I go Benil. I want to see Benil versus Islam. That's the fight I want to see. And if Charles wins, they ain't giving him the title shot. I think Dustin Poirier gets the title shot. So I'm leaning Benil Dariush, but that's a great fight. I can't wait for it. That's the big selling point for me for 289. Brian, hello. Brian, are you there? All right, let's move on. We got about four minutes left. Let's rapid fire these. Uh, let's go to Emilio. Hey, yo, Mike. What's up? Happy to be here. Same. What's up? Man? Uh, yeah, not much. I'm gonna keep it short. Uh, I know that I'm a little bit late because for X Y Z reason I wasn't able to be here for the last. Uh, two heck of a mornings, but man, what a card by one championship. I mean, I, I don't know. So my first question uh, for you would be, uh, if one keeps coming to the U.S. and Bellator keeps doing Bellator things, which is essentially putting up kind of mid-cards, uh how long do you think until one overtakes Bellator as officially the second best MMA promotion? 
And second of all, um, in the context of one, when, while we're already talking about it, where would you put Adriano Moraes in the bantamweight, in the UFC bantamweight rankings? That's it, Mike. Appreciate you and have a heck of a weekend. Um, I mean, there are some who will say one is already above Bellator. I'm not necessarily, I mean, if we're talking about strictly the U.S., uh, Bellator's ahead of one. It's just the way that it is. Chantry can say whatever he wants. Um, it's Bellator's number two. Bellator's number two right now. Um, but one's nipping on their heels. PFL's nipping on their heels. And I thought this is a very good debut for them. Uh, I caught up with most of the card earlier this week. DJ gets the win. Uh, the Rod Tag fight was sick. Mikey Mushemi is, is Mushemi, whatever the hell, however the frig you pronounce the name. Uh, dude's a grappling machine. Stamp Fairtex looked great. The dance and everything. It's good to see Sage North cut back. Uh, it was crazy to see Roberto Soldich get knocked out, especially with, I mean, how much money he's getting paid. Uh, it was a good, it was, it was a good card. It was a good card. They should probably keep coming back. They should probably keep coming back. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good start. It was a good start for their, uh, I guess us takeover. Chachi just needs to like chill out a little bit. I mean, he was like screaming at the top of his lungs and cutting pro wrestling promos. It was just very, very weird when he was on camera during the card. But all in all, pretty good. Where would I rank Adrian Marais at Bantamweight in the UFC? That's a great question. Probably... Probably in the top 15 somewhere. Yeah, I'd probably rank him, but I don't know how highly I would rank him. But I'd probably be in the top 15. Brian, hello. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Uh, I had to shout out a legendary tennis player, Marty Fish, in here. That's awesome. And then a uh, quick question here. Who do you have more stock in going forward, Ian, Gary, or JDM in the welterweight division? Thanks. Have a great weekend. Golly. That's a great question. And shout out Marty Fish. Uh, God, that's tough. That's so tough. That's so tough. Ian probably has like a few extra years that he could be able to compete because he's still so young. But JDM is a problem, man. That guy's a problem. That fight with Sean Brady is really interesting at UFC 290. Really, really interesting. Right now, it's JDM. It's hard to ignore. He's just going out there and melting people. He goes out there and finishes Sean Brady. That's super impressive. I'm still bummed we didn't get the Vicente Luque fight, but we still could get that down the road. So right now, it's JDM. Ian Gary goes out there and just obliterates Daniel Rodriguez tomorrow. Might be a, a more of an interesting discussion, but right now, it's just... JDM is, is just really tough to ignore. So I would say right now it's it's JDM. But if I'm buying stock right now, I would say the the number on Ian Gary is probably lower than JDM. So maybe I'm just going to take a risk on a lower number and hope that it shoots through the moon. 
but not a bad place to be for either guy. That's for sure. The UFC likes both of them. So good place to be. Uh, MMA ground. Hello. Are you there? Hey, yes, I'm here. There we hey, go. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, I, I'm a long-time listener, but today, today I joined a little bit late, but I heard a lot of bias from you against uh, Ankalaev. I don't know why you keep dismissing him from every possibility of him fighting for the title, even, the, or even though he's the most deserving one. Why? Why is that, please? Thank you. First of all, yeah, it's it's not bias. It's I'm literally mimicking the UFC stance on Ankalaev right now. They aren't thrilled with him. They were not happy with that fight with Jan Bohovich. And here's the thing with Ankalaev. It's it hasn't this isn't new. It's been that way for a while. That Tiago Santos fight left a bad taste in people's mouths. And the UFC is if we have learned one thing, the UFC is not a meritocratic promotion. They are a promotion of let's put on the biggest fights that will draw the most eyeballs that will get fans excited and want to buy tickets for a floppity jillion dollars and drop $80 on a pay-per-view. I don't think it's unfair for me to say that Magomed Ankalaev is not that guy. He's a really good fighter. He might be the best light heavyweight in the world, but he's not a ticket seller. He's not a pay-per-view draw. He's just not. And I'm not saying he can't ever get there. I never once said he'll never get a title shot. I never said that. And if I did say that, please find me the clip and show it to me because I don't think I've ever said that. But he, I think he's going to need another win and another impressive showing in order to get that because Dana was not happy with that fight. Go back and watch that press conference after UFC 282, I think that was. Go watch that post-fight presser. Did Dana say anything good about Magomed and Goliath? Was he happy with how that fight went? No. He was not. And there's a reason that they immediately booked another title fight right after that. They booked another title fight on like three weeks notice after that fight. So it's not me saying this stuff. This is the company's stance right this moment. Can he improve his position? Sure. Go get another fight. Do just go out there and do what you should do to a lot of these guys. Go finish somebody, get people talking. You go get a title fight. But you're telling me right now that Jamal Hill versus Magomed Anka Live is going to do better on pay per view than Jamal Hill versus Yuri Prohashka or Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira? It's not even close. It's a 200,000 pay per view by difference. This isn't biased. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Ankalaev's a good fighter. He's he could be great, but he's not. He's not a draw. He's not a draw, and sometimes his fights are not all that thrilling to watch, even in dominant wins. This is just the business the UFC is in. That's all. It's not me being biased. It's I've put Ankalaev's skills over a ton. He's just not a draw. There's bigger fights in this division than Magomed. Bigger and more interesting to the fan, to fans and the casual viewing audience who the UFC is trying to get. They have us, everybody in this room. We're going to watch everything. But how do we get new audiences to flop, plop down $80 to watch our pay-per-views? 
Right now, Magomed Ankalaev isn't isn't one of those guys. That's why I think Alex Pereira is probably 1B if Yuri can't come back this year. They should just run back Ankalaev, Jan Blachowicz, just run it back, do a five-round fight night main event or something. Just run those two guys back. What's the problem with that? They fought to a draw. They fought to a draw. Just have those two guys run it back. Ankalaev can... Get the bad taste out of people's mouths. He can go out there and fit. And I didn't think that fight was that bad, by the way. I didn't think that. I thought Dana kind of overshot himself a little bit, saying how just looking at how negative he viewed that fight. I didn't think that fight was that bad. I thought it was actually kind of compelling. But they were kind of doomed from the start to begin with because you lose Yuri Prohashka, you throw an ankle off on short notice. Fight ends up in a draw. It's just weird. The whole thing is weird. There's no bias here. This is just how the UFC does business. If this is Bellator, Magomed Ankalaev is probably the champion right now. He's probably on a second title defense. They're a more meritocratic promotion. The UFC is more about we got to make money. And that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not dissing the man's skill set. But the interest levels in Ankle Life just aren't there right now. They're just not. Hello? Uh, I'll try to get Max in here. Uh, can, can you hear me? I'm going a little overtime. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Go over we'll move on. Can't get Max in. Uh, we'll go to Yusef. We'll go to Hardcore Casual. And then we'll go to Dylan. That's it. Then I got to go. Yusef, do we have you? Uh, not going through. Hardcore casual, do we have you? Oh, you hear me there, Mike? I'm getting the spinny wheel. You got you got me on. You hear me? Okay. Hey. Let's try Yusuf again. I think this is uh, just not going through. Pardon, just not going through. Dylan, save me. Unless you're just having connection issues all together. Can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, nothing's going through. All right. Well, I apologize, everybody. I try to get some more people through. Um, I think the MMA gods are telling us, hey, time to wrap up. So appreciate you all. Uh, I'm screenshotting all of the photos here. I got Yusuf. I got Viking. Sorry, Viking. What's going on? Viking hopping in like at the end of all these. What's going on? Viking's usually like the first one in line. Uh, but you guys are the best. Shout out to all of you. Much appreciated. Uh, UFC Charlotte preview show coming up in about 50 minutes. If you're listening live, uh, noon Eastern on the YouTube channel, check it out. And well, people's pre-fight show tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, get you ready for UFC Charlotte. We'll have everything else going on as well. Typical fight week stuff. Uh, we got Bellator going on in a little while and we'll be back on this program Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern to recap the weekend's festivities, and I hope you'll join us and hopefully we get all these connection issues fixed. So thank you all very much. 
Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.